You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? This is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are rocking with us here on the Decoding Success Podcast. And listen, I have an amazing roundtable of highly intelligent, super valuable individuals here. You've heard them last week on this show, and we're bringing to you another episode because of all the amazing feedback thus far. Listen. This episode, right off the bat, we're going to jump right into it. We have Gio here with us again. We have my boy Ant here with us again, Phil, Steve, and obviously myself. So today, we wanted to deconstruct a few of the questions, and we're only going to start with one. Obviously, you'll hear some more episodes throughout the year of the, the five questions that I typically ask the interviewees that hop on this show. So we're going to all go through them. And listen, you don't always get to hear my answers to these questions, and luckily, we're here with four other individuals, so you get to hear some different perspectives as well. So I'm really excited. Excited. So, gentlemen, thank you for being here again. My pleasure. Thank you for having us, man. Of Pleasure. course. Can't wait. Listen, the last one Give we just did was really fucking exciting. We just said that. We all had really fu- uh, a good time. We had some fun. So, I'm excited to kick this one off. And uh, to that point, today we're deconstructing one of the questions, as mentioned. What is the best piece of advice you have received? Why was it given to you? And potentially, like, how did you even react to it, right? And oftentimes, you're, you know, sometimes you're given advice when most of the time in my life, I'll actually say, I'm not going to assume anything in your life, but uh, most of the time when I'm given advice, it's because I'm fucking up in some way or another, right? Or, you know, there's the flip side, I ask for it, or sometimes it's unsolicited when talking to a mentor. So I'm curious, gentlemen, what is that best piece of advice that you've been given? Why was it given to you? How did you react? So on and so forth. Uh, recently just switched jobs. I was at NBC for four years and uh, had a really cool manager and, you know, all, all good things. And she said, you know what, before you leave, would love just to like run out and get coffee with you and just just give you some feedback and how you could, you know, be the best you moving forward and bring that to your next job. So uh, it was very informal, but she said my biggest weakness was be more proactive. She's like, you're you're great at what you do, and when you are doing, you know what you learn, you, you're doing it well. I never have to, you know, double check this or that or that things aren't going out how they're supposed to. She said, just one thing that I want you to work on in your next job is just be more proactive. If if you get done with um, what's on your list to do ask questions just you know try to do more and so just like letting that sit and then she you know followed up more on she's like if you're taking on more than what you have to do make sure the stuff that needs to be done is done don't take on more than you know don't bite off more than you can chew but she said when there's a job opening for a promotion and, you know, the people that are above you making that decision and they said, hey, you know, Steve does his job and then he already does X, Y and Z. Like it's a no brainer. Like we don't want to hire external and he's our best internal candidate. So, right. I mean, starting this new job, I'm a, a month in and then we had like the holidays and everything just go by. So, I mean, probably hasn't really been like a full month of working there, but when you just start, you already kind of try to ask questions and do more and stuff like that. But 
Um, I, I'd more so want to test what she gave me once I'm more settled in my role and I'm doing what I need to do and then could take on more. Right. So, so this is the beauty of the show, first and foremost, especially these roundtable discussions, because you just heard from someone that's in corporate. Right. And you're sort of in corporate in a way. Right. You, I mean, you're in. I'm in two worlds. You're in yeah. two worlds. You're an entrepreneur, yet you're in sales as well. Right. Yep, yep. Phil's been in corporate. Gio's been in corporate. I've been in quote unquote corporate as well. And uh, I mean, it's not really easy to be proactive in corporate. Personally, for me, where I was working, I was given shit to do literally all of the time on top of what I was already supposed to do. So I was forced to be proactive in a way. But in my opinion, it comes down to when you're in corporate, you're kind of just like, and again, this is just my opinion here. When you're in corporate, I just feel like it's like, all right, once you get your job done, it's just like, that's what I got paid to do. I think the problem with corporate is that there's a lot of red tape in which you can. What does that mean? Red tape is there's certain parameters in which you can, like, really do things. Like, for example, I sell medical devices. Uh, we can't even give our doctors a pen with our company name on there. Like, Why? that is, it's just because the doctor might look at our pen and be like, well, I want to use his medical device for this procedure because of this pen. So they look at it as, as a form of bribery. So <clears throat> for someone like myself, who I, I, I view myself as a, certainly a creative and someone that's not, that is an entrepreneur that has, outside the box way of thinking to be in a that corporate environment with that red tape really limits and inhibits how much I can do to really have my personality shine in the sale. Now I've been doing it a long time, I've had success in doing it, but there are parts of the jobs that don't 100% fulfill me because I'm not able to go that extra mile because of that red tape like I mentioned. Right. No, and that's I, I think it also has to do with management styles. When uh, when I was in corporate, so I was an accountant, I was a real estate accountant, the uh, communication wasn't really there for me. By the way, Philly just told us he got a shitload of money, so food's on him after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a real estate accountant. I, yeah, long story short, that's not what I intended to be in the real estate group. I, uh, I wanted to be in a different group because you got paid more, you and you were in tax, but I was in real estate. And the number one thing I took away was that as... I had my business on the weeknights, weekends, and then I was working in corporate. The communication wasn't there. Like when I had my business, uh, my event business on the weeknights and weekends, I communicated with everybody. I made them feel like they were my family. Uh, This is what's expected of you. And if you do this extra, you know, here, here you go. The floodgates open and there's no cap to your growth. But the communication was so small there that I almost felt like if I went outside the box, I was always told, hey, keep it inside the lines. Mm -hmm. And that actually is what propelled me to want to actually, after time and time again, like, okay, let let me start to move out of it. And the only two times that I was ever, uh, you know, talked about with what I was doing was my, you know, biannual review. And it wasn't like a a daily or a weekly thing. So I think it also comes down to leadership style and management. Like, I think a lot of people, I know I would have performed even more so than what I what I wanted to if I was told, hey, you can do this, go ahead, and you're constantly spoken to. Right. What was your experience like? I know you were in corporate. Yeah. Quote-unquote corporate. Oh, yeah, quote-unquote. I mean, company with three people. Right, it's right, not, right. It's not corporate in that level. Um, I definitely... I felt like they were really pushy on being creative they were really they were entrepreneurs by nature so they didn't and they didn't fit in that box right so the little minute of time that I did have corporate I did feel like 
whether it was like I was a personal trainer and I, I like for me like I felt like anytime you would stop me from trying to grow it was immediately got me frustrated and I felt like a lot of those environments they don't want you to grow almost in a sense it's like if I can keep you under my thumb then I can always control you and I think that's one of the scariest things about corporate is they don't they want control over success right it's like I only want it within these confines if I don't have it within this confines, I can't, I don't, I'm not interested in it. Which ultimately leads you to some entrepreneur, like for you to be an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur anyway. Right. You know, so, yeah, I hate corporate, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to Gio's point, gone are the days where, you know, you're a company man. Like, yep, I'm going to work for Ford and I'm going to put in my 30, 40 years and then I'm going to get my pension and retire. I mean, does that still exist to some degree? Yes, sure. Definitely, I've been, yeah. I've been doing my job nine and a half years and I'm like a dinosaur, man. People are like, you've been here nine and a half years? You're like, how old are you? Am I even that old? But like, <laughs> I've, been, I've been there quite a while. So, you know, turnaround is so quick. Like you were just saying, like, I think in the average sales job, I just heard the other day, the average stay is between two and two and a half years. So that's how often people are hopping around to find new opportunity. That's and insane. I think that goes back to, to both your points just stated that these bigger companies and, and I'm speaking from this like firsthand and going through like my exit interview and just seeing the amount of turnover in uh, a company like NBC like you, you hear the stories like hey I've been an NBC here for you know 30 40 years I started as a sales assistant now I'm an SVP like those stories now are you know few and far in between because me personally, I felt like where my growth and salary wanted to be just wasn't um, achievable there anymore. It's just like the it's, it's a funnel, and as you go up, you know, you get that that chokehold. So um, I was looking both internally and externally after like our busy time, which is called the upfront. It ends. I don't know, at the end of the summer pretty much, like we're busy all summer. And I said, after that, I'm gonna start looking. There was internal and something external. Both opportunities were, were where I wanted my career to go. More of like the data and kind of like smart tuning of how advertisers spend their dollars within TV, linear, you know, digital, all that, all that good stuff. Um, but internally, they wanted to only give me like a very small increase, which kind of sucks because you you think by by staying loyal to a company, you know that that I was there four years. You would think that they would want to keep, and you know I want to call myself like one of like the better people that were you know in my position to to go for that, and it's almost like kind of like a slap in the face. Like look, I'm, I'm willing to stay here and whatever, and I was super open. I I felt like going into that being very honest with both internal and external opportunities that I was just going to be glass. I was going to tell them everything. Right. I'm interviewing with so-and-so. They're offering X. I'm looking to stay here. You know, what can you offer me? I need this amount to at least consider staying here. I actually even told NBC, if you could offer me X, I won't even take that interview, which I hmm. knew was going to be more. It just never unfolded fast enough I wound up taking that interview and I'm the biggest believer of everything happens for a reason in every aspect of, of, of life good bad 
mediocre. I hate to believe it, but it's fucking true. Yeah, like, and then, so, so, so then me, I, I take this new job, I love it. But while I'm thinking, like, wow, I'm going to leave NBC, and I'm, like, even thinking, like, I just, the, the train lets me off right here, the bus lets me off right there, it's, you know, I'm, like, little things is, like, the commute, like, I know the people. The salary. The, the, yep. Well, I knew what the salary was, but it wasn't going to be too much more, so, right. like, that was one of the determining factors of like starting my mindset saying, Hey, like I'd love to make this, but am I going to be happy making that? And maybe, right. like, yeah, it's not all about money. Yeah. But like Sometimes I said, it is. everything, <laughs> everything happens for a reason. I love where I am now. And obviously I love that salary a lot more. <laughs> so why, why were you given that piece of advice? And listen, I know you, and I'm not trying to put you on blast here, bro. You were fucking watching YouTube videos, how to fly your fucking drone. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> bro, trust me. You, hey, I, I, I binged, um, Game of Thrones, I think. When, At work? When it started, uh, it was up to Oh, God bless. That's the, listen, that's the beauty of corporate, though, because you get paid to do that shit. On, on, on two screens, right? And I had it, like, minimized, and, like, I probably didn't get the true... I feel guilty when I do that shit. I'm upstairs watching Billions till fucking 12 p.m., and then next thing you know, I'm like, fuck, I gotta work now till 12 a.m. I can't say I was proud of it, but I... <laughs> Never, I would never jeopardize my name. Right. Of like not getting the job at at tat, like you know there done. Everything that I needed to be done was was finished and of right. quality work. I was chosen to work on the Olympics when people on my level, maybe five out of ten of us, got selected. That's huge. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I did well enough to you know be looked at for that. Right. But, Back to your question, like, why? I, I f- think I could do more, and it's easy when you're settled into a role, maybe not to, because then you're like, oh, I did my job, I did it well, and, you know, maybe I deserve this. I deserve to, like, I think that's corporate to a T. That's corporate to a T. Get that external coffee. Leave the building for a minute. Go, you know, yeah. do I have to run to Gap I love real that quick? <laughs> yo, I used to walk to Amazon Books. Like, yeah. Take take a mini lunch break. There was free coffee in the kitchen, but I would rather go downstairs and get Dunkin' or Starbucks yeah. because it got me up instead of sitting in my chair. It got some fresh air and... It was just nice to, to get out of the office, even if it was for five minutes to grab coffee. It's just breaking that routine, man. You yeah. know, and that's, I think, some of the beauty of entrepreneurship is like, you know, you, you want to eat here and there, you eat wherever you want as long as you want. But guess what? If you want, if you take too much time, you're eating into literally into your profit. So, right. You know dude, what I mean? That's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's the thing with entrepreneur. Corporate has a lot of comfort, like a lot of fucking comfort. It's like a safety net versus... Dude, entrepreneurship is the complete opposite to the point where it's like, if you take too long of a lunch break, like you just said, you're eating into your profit. Mm -hmm. You're Who the fuck wants to be doing work at 10 p.m.? Come on, if you start at 9 a.m., who the fuck wants to be doing work at 10 p.m.? If you're working straight through, like, dude, that's insane. The other comfort of course. Yeah, that's the comfort of corporate. Like, I don't care who you are. You do not love what you are doing that much to fucking work. 
24 hours a day, bro. Come on. Unless you have no desire to get with fucking women or dudes. <laughs> like, unless you have no desire to chill with your friends. Friends like, and family. Come on. Like, that's just the fucking reality of it. Well, you know what? It goes back to that quote from Shark Tank. I, th- I think it was Lord Grenier that said it. Like, uh, entrepreneurs are the only people that will work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 hours a week. Right. Yeah. 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 There's truth in that. And to piggyback what Steve was saying, if you're growing a company or you already have a company and you're looking to acquire talent that's at this table, I learned through the events that the only way you're going to keep people with that kind of talent level is that their vision has to be has to fit inside of your vision so your vision has to be big enough that their vision which is big enough for their level still fits inside of yours so if your dream is too small or you don't give them the opportunity they're gonna go if you if you can just give them a something that they're proud of like the base and you can give them opportunity for expansion to the end of the day they're entrepreneurs just like us on a macro level right they'll pay you more if you bring in more so why not give the person opportunity to bring in more but if you say inside the lines just do this that's when that person's like okay i feel a little boxed in i'm feeling claustrophobic I'm going to do my thing, even right. if I don't know where, even if it's uncertain, I'm going to do that. And that's why the turnaround is probably two to two and a half years, like we were saying earlier, why people are constantly looking for new opportunity after just a couple of years being in a job. It yeah. takes a good few years just to get the job on your belt and really craft the art of being that employee for that company. And once people are supposed to be taken off and getting good, they're taking off for another opportunity. Right. You know, it's, it's weird you say that because I felt like it took me... I honestly want to say like three to five months to actually catch myself from drowning in, in what I was doing with Damon. Like, all it was, listen, the advice was given to me. This isn't the piece of advice that I'm going to give for this example that we're talking about today. But a piece of advice was given to me to the point where it was just like, dude, like, you need to tread fucking water. Right. Specifically in my environment, maybe NBC's massive. Mm. My company was 30 people. Gio, you said yours was three. It was even smaller than 30. Like my company, and I'm sure yours was a lot bigger than 30 as well. 500. Yeah, 500 NBC, I'm sure is thousands, you know, at, at least across the country, you know. So thinking it like, dude, like by the time people fucking catch a hang of it, next thing you know, they're leaving. You know, it's right. it's insane. That's the be- life and in job. If you're If you're not treading water, you're not in the trenches... You need to be there to learn the most. Right. Like I start when I first started at NBC, I felt like I got in at a good time where like I was able to sit with people and have them show me everything. Yeah. But then when I got promoted internally, it was in the busy part, which I mentioned the upfront, and it was kind of just like all hands on deck. You know, there was someone like a spot that needed to be filled, and now you're filled, and we need you to get up to speed as fast as you can, asking as many questions as you want, but. As soon as we could take the training wheels off, like, go. Right. Right. And I felt like yeah. I learned because I learned during that time whether or not I liked it. I needed to, to do it. And I think that's, you know, <clears throat> with employees, too, I think there is, like, a level or a time period in which they feel they can ask anything. And then after a while... I think it's almost natural to be like, oh, I can't ask that question because I should know. And that happens so often. There's been people at numerous companies who are like, yeah, I should know the answer to this, but I don't. It's that's because they stayed, they were there maybe six months past training and a question came up and like, shit, I should know the answer to this, but I don't. And they just skate around it. You know what I'm saying? So like that happens more often than... (laughs) 
than should happen. Yeah. I also just want to point out, just very briefly, I don't want this episode to start off sounding like we're shitting on corporate. No, not I, at all. I don't think it does. I love my corporate job. <laughs> I, I don't think it does at all. I mean, both of my parents have worked corporate for 30 plus years, and I'm mm-hmm. grateful because that's what has the roof over their heads, et cetera, et cetera. So I think corporate's a beautiful thing for the for the right people, you know? So I just want to... I'm, po- I'm in it. I like it. I just felt like the opportunity at one corporate place was meeting, you know... The time where I needed to exit, and right. that sparked me to to look, and I found another, you know, corporate, but more so of a startup kind of place. Mm. It's a more established startup. That's the beauty of that. But right? so I love it, that. so it gives it's me that like very nice flexibility where it's like corporate pay, but like very flexible hours. Right. I've worked more from home at this job in a month than I've ever done at NBC in four years. So the and and it's just like it's super chill. So one girl brought her dog to the office. Little, <laughs> little wiener dog that's brown and his name is Chorizo. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like that was an important nugget. I'm, I'm glad you brought that yeah. up. Thank you, thank you. This actually wasn't a piece of advice that was given directly to me, but I was at an event. It was a uh, workshop. It was actually a real estate workshop. And the uh, gentleman teaching it actually said up front, standing in front of the room, was about 100 people there. And he said that, uh, I just started these things about six months ago and I was scared shit to be in front of the room. I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. I was sweating. And he said, what I, what I kept telling myself over and over is, and now it's kind of like my little mantra, is what you believe is your reality. And it took, like, I've heard that in different forms, but when he said it, it fucking hit. What you believe is your reality. Now, how it started for me was, like, back when I was 13, I used to, I, that's when I first started going to clubs, and it was a teen night. And then through, thir- through, like, 13, 14, 15, all the way up to about 17, 18, you know, no one really told me anything specific. I just said... This is the gentleman, the guy who runs the party, that has the type of life that I want to have. I like everything he has going for him. He doesn't stress financial decisions. And then there's other people who are constantly stressing. So how did this guy get to that level and these people didn't? And it was his actions and what he believed. And just let it, I let it sit, you know, marinate for a while. And then throughout my life, through ups, downs, bumps, I realized that my beliefs had to be the cornerstone, the foundation of what I was going to do in life. Mm-hmm. I had to believe that I was crazy enough to accomplish what I wanted to set out. And I, I learned very quickly, you can't, you can't build a skyscraper on sticks. Like you can't, you, you can't do that. Like if you have a, a really poor foundation, what, you know, you could have the biggest goals in the world. It's just not gonna happen. Right. So then it started to become really mindset driven and that's where I currently am and I know till my last day I'm going to be super super mindset driven so it was okay that thought would have never entered your mind if it was impossible it's impossible to think a possible thought like it's going to happen so if if you have any moment of inspiration believe that with enough uh, of common factors that we all know who you're around what you believe your actions your discipline like it can happen for you 
So I watched this guy very vulnerably and uh, transparently, you know, in front of the class saying like, I was scared shit a couple of months ago. And now he's got a hundred people in front of him. And this applies to anything in life. So I just, I took that home with me. And since then, anything I want to do, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. That's, that's the cornerstone of my belief. Well, I know a few things you just mentioned. It's crazy. I just brought up in our last episode how I'm reading that book, um, Unfuck Yourself by Gary Bishop. It's crazy how like you read things at like the perfect time because what you just said, the chapter I read today, or uh, maybe the chapter it was that I read yesterday, talked about not knowing the difference between possible versus impossible, right? Because think about it, what you mentioned on the last episode, Gio, about the individual that ran the four minute mile. Yeah, he didn't know. He didn't know, yeah. right? <laughs> just think about what Elon Musk is doing right now about flying to these different planets or, or whatever the hell they're doing. And, um, you know, all these people that are the first to do it, right? The, there's no difference between the two, impossible versus impossible. It's just what you deem in your thoughts, right? And, and a lot of the, the book is quotes from, you know, ancient philosophers like uh, Marcus Aurelius and all of these amazing people that literally talk about how important your thoughts and beliefs really are. And at the end of the day, it shapes you. But I got to ask you, why do you feel like you were given that um, opportunity to hear that piece of advice when you were given it? Uh, this may go on the spiritual route a little bit, but I feel that what I really wanted, my subconscious, drew me to that particular time, that particular event, because I'm just gonna say straight up, I didn't have to be there, and I paid for that event. Hmm. Like, it wasn't like somebody said, oh, Phil, you should go. I paid, I went, I took my own money, you know, I paid for the subway, went through, sat there for three hours, and nothing to expect. Just just want to get there to learn. Right. I think when you're constantly, you know, uh, telling yourself what it is that you're envisioning, uh, it's constantly going through through your conscious mind into your subconscious mind. You start to gravitate it to yourself. You start to see synchronicities, synchronicities that um, is like wow, like this is weird. I can't believe this is happening. It's really not weird. You're drawing it to yourself because you believe in it so fully, and that other that other energy out there believes in it fully, and it's like a magnet starts to attract. So. I believe that my thoughts alone pulled me to that situation. I honestly do. No rah-rah, no, no BS. Like, I was thinking No drinking that. the Kool-Aid? No drinking the Kool-Aid. No, not at all, man. If people understood, if, if people took the mask off of what Kool-Aid looked like, they'd understand how cool the Kool-Aid is and how good it fucking tastes. If they, if they, if they took it off. No, I'm serious. They took it off. They, they view it as a, as a bad thing. But if you, if you truly understood it, it would be awesome. So right. I feel like I was pulled there because of my thoughts. If I was thinking really negative, um, why would I ever leave my room to show up to an event in the city and be sitting there? You know, it drew, I was drawn to it. So, And that's like the thing about law of attraction. I feel like <clears throat> the people that do, I don't want to say buy into it because there's nothing to buy into it. But the people that understand the power behind the law of attraction are the people who have the lives that we look up to or the people that just uh, things always break in their favor or they're lucky or whatever you want to call it chalk it up to luck or whatever but the people that always seem to have things figured out and the people that are the naysayers and who think it's hokey for whatever one reason or another you know things don't break in their favor so I completely agree with you in saying that yes you you are a magnet and, and you do bring forth you create your own reality, like you're just saying. Absolutely, and the other thing too to point out is that, let's say that day I went to the event because I was pulled from a friend, like, come with me. I didn't really want to be there. 
this happens countless times without us realizing it. We could be somewhere and hear a piece of advice. It can go in one ear and out the other. So like, even though you're there, are you really there? Did you hear it? Did you digest it? Because I'm sure we've been, we've been around like serious advice, but it hasn't hit us the same way it might hit someone else because of where their mindset was or their status. So like, I also had to be willing to accept information, like move my ego to the side and say, like, I'm here, I want to learn. And then, and then it hit me. So that, that's been a cornerstone ever since. Right. You were just talking about magnets the other night when me and you were chopping it up till fucking four in the morning over ten bottles of wine. <laughs> One of, uh, I'll say this, and then Alex, I don't want to detract the conversation. One of the biggest lies I've ever been told was that opposites attract. That's interesting, too. That's a great fucking topic. Write that shit down. That's a great fucking topic. One of the biggest lies I've ever been taught. Um, I've never been in a healthy relationship with somebody negative. Uh, Because I consider myself a positive person. Now, if you want to go deep into it, which we can say for another episode... Uh, yeah, yeah when, you're with, when you're with a woman, uh, you know, when you have a masculine energy, when you have a feminine energy, and it's interchangeable, but uh, that's like deep, deep. On the surface, positive. Why are we all sitting at this table? Because we're fucking uh, OGs. A hundred percent. But we're all OGs that think the same way, right, right, we're right, on the same right, right. wavelength. We all believe in possibilities. That's why we're all here. And if we were all super negative and couldn't believe that all this bad shit happens to me all the fucking time then we'd also be sitting at the same table but instead of on a Friday night we'd talk about that you know we'd talk right. about all the negative stuff so um, yeah that's that's one of the biggest things that, that's where the whole magnet thing comes back is you will automatically pull to you what is similar or what it is that you're seeking for if you're willing to accept it or believe it if I'm negative I'm gonna pull negative if I'm positive I'm gonna pull positive so simple. It's huge. Think about it. It's fucking huge. I love it, man. So, <laughs> best piece of advice. So, this is going back a couple of years. So, the year was 2017. And I feel like, you know, I, I, like your hat says, live lucky. I feel like I do. I really do because of what Phil was saying about being a magnet. But, you know, life is life. And sometimes you're going to go through some tough times. And in 2017, like I had in, in a really short amount of time, in a very brief time period, just things were just not going my way um, in many different facets of life. First thing, uh, I lost my grandfather, who pff, was a huge influence in my life. Um, I would visit him. I'd see him probably three or four times a week. Wow, that's um, a lot. Yeah, man. Just but like I, he's just he's just like he was a real OG. Like he really was. <laughs> and he just he had these amazing stories and he was like a wealth of knowledge. So every time I I sat with him, I feel like I wanted to tap into that. Uh, and just a piece of advice for anyone who's listening: uh, if you still have your grandparents, one thing that I highly recommend you do is. Um, is have a sit down session with them and record them. Um, my my buddy uh, Chris Bellock told me one time. He's like, "Hey man, while you still have your grandfather, there's something you need to do, and you need to sit down with him, uh, learn about that. Because once he's gone, that world is gone, and you want to be able to tap into those stories. So uh, I was able to do that and record him, and and I'm very grateful to to have that for forever and pass it on to my kids. Um, when I do have kids, uh, <laughs> no kids right what? now. No kids right now. No so, kids. Soon to come. Uh, soon to come. But um, no. But you know, he had passed away, and I was really, really tight with him. So that hit me hard. Um, simultaneously, I was dating this girl for for quite a while, and was really ready to take the next step. Um, things 
did not work out, um, and that's a whole other story, but that happened right around the same time. Uh, thirdly, um, I got some uh, health issues that um, really kind of explained a lot of things. I had massive back pain for years and years, and I have something called uh, ankylosing spondylitis, which just leads to like excruciating back pain to the point where sometimes you can't even lift your leg. That's how bad it is. Um, and I was taking a medication f- to fight it, and I got a side effect of drug-induced lupus from it. So um, I don't have it anymore. It's out of my system, but like my fingers would swell, blow up, and I couldn't even bend them. Um, and other joints as well that I couldn't bend. It was it was torturous. So all these things happened in a really short amount of time period, all around the same time. So I was just really feeling down on my luck. And uh, I went out with a friend of mine, um, her and her husband, and we went out to dinner. And I'm like, I feel like I need a lifetime out. I'm not in a good place right 30 now. 32nd or full. I'm sorry? 32nd or full. Oh, full time out. I need <laughs> a full time out. Can you take back-to-back timeouts? Is that a thing? Is that allowed? I, I would think so, yeah. Uh, I, needed one, I needed one of those, yeah. <laughs> so uh, she had said, hey, listen, you know, you need you need to time out. I agree with you. And, and it's crazy because, like, I, I, I like to be the person. I feel like people come to me for, like, hey, you're always positive and you're always, like, upbeat and you're smiling and all those things. And right. I love being able to lift people up like it's one of the things that like I, I I love that I can give back to others and but then you know I always feel in a certain type, type of way which I'm not so used to feeling I try to like I don't know whether I fight it or I try to rise above it as best I can but I was down as could be and she stepped up to the plate was like listen you need to take time off you need to go on a trip go anywhere take time off so I'm like where should I go and she's like yeah you know what? I think you should go. my cousin just got back from Thailand you should go there I'm like, well, I don't know who am I go to Thailand with. She's like, just go by yourself. I by myself, I don't know. Tell me you went to crazy. Thailand because you want to know what you're gonna fucking get him tight. Oh, I'll sell <laughs> you on this trip, bro. bro. I'll sell you on this. I got everything in Evernote stored. I got yeah, it ready, bro. I got it ready. So anyway, so I'm like, ah, you know what? That sounds crazy, but let me do it. So I and embarked on this trip solo to, and I went to Thailand. I went for just over two weeks. And it was this life-changing journey, um, and things that I took from that trip. I mean, I will take for the rest of my life, and and I'll I'll dive into where that that piece of advice comes from. So, my first couple of days there, and I signed up for some trip, you know, because I'm by myself, and like, hey, do this trip with this group, and, and view these temples. I'm like, what was right, the group? Go. What was the group? I'm curious. Oh, I don't. No, no, no. I went solo. I'm saying it was a day. It was a day group thing. It wasn't. Oh, like, gotcha, it wasn't gotcha, like gotcha. Kentucky gotcha. tours or anything right, like right, that. Right, right, it was right. just like for the day. Hey, let's join this group, and it was a right. lot of like older tourists and like families and there's this one dude there he's like just ripping cigarettes and like <laughs> I like had sleeves I'm like yo this guy was cool I'm gonna talk to him I'm like yo man what's going on and he's like yo is this like a family trip I feel like it's I'm like we're like we were fish out of water here and I'm like yeah man so we ended up talking and and ironically we had a very similar story in regards to uh, the ex route and the ex girlfriend route and we had almost identical stories like it was unreal I'm like dude I'm like looking to a mirror right now because we have the same exact scenario. Like that's the details. It was unreal. And he goes to me, listen, man, when you go to Chiang Mai, which is up north, uh, the northern part of Thailand, he's like, this might sound crazy, but it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. He's like, I want you to go to this place and do something called a monk chat. And I'm like, uh, I don't know, man. I'm like, just I don't know. I'm like, uh, I don't know if that interferes with like religion. religion. I'm like, I'm like, I'm I'm Christian. I don't know if that's like blasphemous or some sort. He's like, nah, man. He's like, he's like, nah. He's like, 
uh, Buddhism is a philosophy. It is not a religion. So that's like a, a common misconception. It is not a religion at all. It's actually just a philosophy. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of life. He's like, I'm telling you, you're good. I'm like, all right. Maybe I'll check it out. I end up going to Chiang Mai. I had a free day. And on this free day, I end up just kind of getting lost and going on this on this journey. And I, I take this bus. I get off. I don't even know where I'm at. And it just so happened to lead me to this temple. And there's temples everywhere you go in Thailand. So one is nicer than the next. So I go there, check it out. And I go to information. And I'm like, hey, out of curiosity, I'm like, do you guys do something called a monk chat here? And they're like, yes, in all of Chiang Mai, this is the one that like this is the one that is open to the public to do. Uh, monk chats. I go, oh crap. So I just so <laughs> happened to lead myself to the one place that did it, which is crazy. I wasn't even necessarily looking for it, right. but maybe I was. I don't know. There you go. So I, I knew this guy. And, yeah, man. So I knew this, I knew this guy, and, and, and he's a monk. And, and I'm like, hey, listen, uh, I'd love to be able to talk with you. Someone told me, like, you know, it's highly recommended. He's like, yeah, come back maybe in a week or two. I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm leaving Chiang Mai tomorrow. He's like, you're leaving tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, but listen, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, I'll take off. It's cool. Thank you for your time. He's like, listen, listen, come with me. So he's like, I'll talk to you one-on-one. And he's like, let's, let's just talk things out. So I'm like, all right, cool. So we ended up talking, opened up to him more than I ever thought I would have. <laughs> uh, unreal. And the one piece of advice that he told me was um, to pay attention to the moments of your life. Because I was talking like big picture things. I'm very future oriented. I just can't help but go there. I'm always thinking like, what's the next step? What's next? What's in five years, 10 years? It's just the way I'm wired and the way I think. So he's like, listen, pay attention to the moments in your life. And this was the quote. One moment can change one minute. One minute can change one hour. One hour can change one day. One day can change one week. Yeah. One week can change one month. One month can change one year. One year can change one man. And one man can change the world. Wow. And I'm like, That's fucking huge. Wow. Mic drop. Whoa. Drop the fucking drop. Mic. Then he disappeared. Then he, just he disappeared. What did he blow into the air? He disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> but that was so true. So that all really, what that means is that you think bigger picture, you think future, but it all comes down to the little decisions. Just kind of going back to what Phil said earlier about like, you know, attracting little moments in your life and then like really uh, living in that moment and also like, you know, not discounting your actions, um, your everyday actions because they lead to the bigger picture. And it was just like summation in that one phrase I'd never heard before. And at the end of that, he's like, you know, good chat, good talk. He gave me this this little prayer rope that I rock still to this wow. day wow. on top of my Greek prayer robes. Um, and yeah, man, so I, I kind of look at this a lot of times and I've been faced with a lot of tough decisions where I'm kind of borderline on what I should do. And I think back to that piece of advice. I just kind of look here because it's right there. It's like, you know, my version of a tattoo. It's right, right there. Right. I kind of look at it. I'm like, think back put yourself back in that moment and i do and i kind of like it kind of guides me in making my decision that's huge yeah, man. Man. that's yeah, fucking yeah. huge I like bro that. Yeah, I like that. I'm glad take the sip that. of wine you've earned it after that bro. i know i was like <laughs> to hydrate uh, that's I feel, fucking I feel like huge. i've been going through like something similar to the fact where i'm keeping my mind at looking at like all these big next stepping stones and I feel like waiting to get there has been screwing up me in the moment. And I, I want to say that I caught that and have been trying to enjoy the moment and the journey, which brought me to enjoy the journey, not the destination. Mm -hmm. is something that I love, too. But just like our first interaction was meeting tonight and to hear your story about that. 
again, the magnets, they pull together. And I feel like I needed to hear that from another person to keep cementing that thought process in my head to keep enjoying where I am now because it's not exactly where I want to be. But I can't let that get me, I wouldn't say upset, but just like not satisfied with what my bigger mindset is because I need to enjoy now. I'll send you an invoice later for connecting the two of you. <laughs> Aside from that, the, the invoice is very powerful. <laughs> but uh, seriously, Patrick David, who was on this show, and that's probably one of my favorite episodes ever on this show was Patrick David because... I have a father, but he talked to me as if he was my father and not in a disrespectful way. And one of the things he said in the episode was, if you live in the future, you live in a state of anxiety. If you live in the past, you live in a state of depression. So the only time to live is right now in the moment. Another mic drop. Another mic drop. Joe uh, Joe Dispenza, one of my favorite guys ever. Besides Tony Robbins, I would would have met with him and had dinner with him. Uh, When he broke it down for me, in a way that I hadn't heard before is that if, if you're constantly thinking about what has happened to you, you're living in the familiar past. If you're constantly, as you go on in your life, if you're constantly thinking of the familiar past, what do you think your future is going to look like? Your future is going to be indicative of the familiar past. Right. So your past and your future are both the same. So the only way you can actually change is by living in the eternal present moment. Mm. So the eternal present moment is where it's neither reflective on the future or the past. Mm. And that's where huge change happens, huge growth. And I was like, shit, I was like, if I just keep worrying about the past, my future is going to be a mirror of it. Be exactly the past. Literally. I'm just going to keep living the same life over and over and over because that's all I focus on. It's crazy, man. Fucking, yeah, that was powerful, bro. Every everyone's been very powerful so far. Like, in in piling up these these quotes about the the past and present, I heard this once on on a podcast. If you have one foot in the past and one foot in the present, I'm sorry, oh, I fucked that up. Take two. If you yeah. have one foot in the past and one foot in the future, you pee on the present. So it's, yeah. like, it's true, man. Yeah, you're in it. That's pretty accurate. That's pretty fucking accurate. Sheesh. what do you got for me, bro? Um, mine would be, and it was real recent. I told you that story before. Um, you know it personally, but it was, I know it. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I've, I've shared it with you. I've shared it with you indirectly. But it was the February 14th. You, my health scare was the right. best one for me. Um, so February 14th, ever, ever, ever. Like, I think sometimes you think of, like, I look at that situation, that day, the rock bottom, back against the wall, um, and just having, like, the randomness of it. I think not expecting a nurse to be the one to give you a piece of advice that would change everything. Um, So that night, finding out that I got diabetes, type 2 diabetes that night, and then... um, Break down the experience quick so everyone everyone listening understands it. The whole okay, okay. So basically, I wake up on February fourteenth in the morning. I get a phone call. February fourteenth. February fourteenth. So that's February a particular f- day, right? There. Almost. A, that's Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah it is Valentine's. That's day. That's what I'm saying. There you Holy go. Holy shit! It's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. It's Valentine's Day. That doesn't celebrate. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I do with a few. Yeah. That's so funny. So February fourteenth comes up. I wake up in the morning. I just came back from Buffalo where I was speaking. And um, I got a phone call from a doctor. I had gotten checked, um, my blood sugar checked and all this stuff. I had blurry vision, frequent urination, rapid weight loss, all that happening. 
Um, and so when the doctor called me, he said, we got your blood work back. And when he said, I got my blood work back, he was like, your blood sugar was like 670, or like some mm. crazy number like that. It was supposed to be like anywhere between like a, like around 100, 120. So he was telling me like, you gotta go to the emergency room immediately. So I go to the emergency room and then five, six hours later, the doctor comes to me and tells me you got type two diabetes. And so in that moment, I'm like, I mean, I heard I was pre-diabetic at some point, but never really hit that that prognosis of like, I didn't understand what was happening with me. I just like, oh, I can't see, my glasses are bad or something. Right. Um, so he goes and tells me that, I ask him, and I still never, it didn't really hit me. I didn't really understand the severity of the situation. I literally asked the doctor, cause I had boy cement tickets for the 15th. <laughs> so, so I had, I'm like, yo, this is going to be it. You don't want to like, miss that. No, you don't want to miss it. It was either go to Vegas to see them on their residency or they here in New York. I'm like, this mm. is perfect. So I ended up asking the doctor, I'm like, yo, listen, if you got something important to do tomorrow, if you were me, would you go to it or would you stay here? And he was like, um, if it's very important, you could go home. But I would strongly encourage you not to because you could go home and fall into a coma. Oof. And I was, I, I was like, shucks, like, now nah, it's not funny no more. Like, I, I was, I was joking. Now mm -hmm. it just got real. And then that night, when my wife left the hotel room around eleven thirty at night, the nurse came up to me and she literally was like, "Listen, um, I don't know how you came into the hospital by yourself." She like, "Your numbers is all your numbers are bad. So your blood sugar six seventy. You got high blood pressure. Your cholesterol's high. So she was like, you only should have came in the hospital in an ambulance. I took an Uber. <laughs> like, I took an Uber to get there. She's like, you should have had a, you, you should have, you, I expected you to have a stroke or a coma. That was the only conditions that would have made sense. Wow. So obviously I'm thinking, oh, I think, thank God for that. Like, right. And then she told me, um, here's your reality. The situation is that. You got diabetes, like that's that's the situation. But the advice she gave me that really changed everything for me was when she said, there's just two people that come here with diabetes. The two people that come here, one is the one that have diabetes and the other one, diabetes has them. The person who has diabetes, I'll never see you again. The person who diabetes has them, I'll see you every week. You'll never stop coming to the hospital. And so that day when she said that, she said, yo, you could just choose to own it. She said, you gotta own it. You gotta know everything about diabetes. You gotta know what it does to your body. You gotta know what food does to your body. Like, if you really take ownership of this and make this the thing that you know more than anything else, you're, you're gonna conquer it. So in my head, I'm like, shucks. The difference between me getting healthy or not or changing anything in my life is just me deciding that I have it. If I have it, it's, it's a done deal. So when she told me that, I literally felt like every single thing in my life changed. And I think for too long before that situation, I didn't think I owned it. Like, it was like, oh, it's nice. You pass through like a car getting washed in a, in a, in a machine and stuff. I'm like, yo, I'm literally here. And I'm like, dang, if I just take ownership. And there's a book called Extreme Ownership. Um, I forgot who wrote it. Nate Jocko. Uh, Jocko or David Goggins. One of them. One of them. One of, one of the two. Jocko, I always confuse the two. Yeah, no, they, they, both, they might as well write this. They might as well write the same book. Those two guys definitely think the beast, same. Beast, beast. But it's like that extreme ownership part and realizing, like, it's no one to blame. I think everybody always comes up with an attitude of, like, it ain't my fault. You know, I'm Haitian. They cook, with, they cook rice all the time and everything is fried. It's not my fault. I was born into this culture. And it's like... 
they didn't force feed me. I didn't get a beating because I didn't eat the food. Like it's still my choice. And so when she said that, I said, man, like I could literally change my whole entire life anytime I feel like it, if I just decide to own it. Yeah. So I, I, I've been trying to pass that message on to everybody. I just feel like you could be a victor or a victim, but you get to choose. How did you choose though? Because oftentimes, and listen, I'm guilty of this myself. Yeah. I choose victim, right? Like I'll be yeah. like, no matter what it is in life, it could be it could be the smallest thing. It could be literally me fucking. And this is gonna tie into the point that I'm gonna make in a little bit. Any point that I make, I'm like, I hold myself victim because I hold myself to such a high standard. And it's like, dude, you fucked up here. And continuously, you fucked up here, you fucked up here, you fucked up here, you fucked up here. Mm -hmm. Multiple times over and over. So how did you, was it because it was life-threatening to that point where you were like, yo, I got to make this change? I think it it, it literally has to be on that level. That's the only reason why. Everyone says that. It has to be. Because then I started changing my mentality from like, it's not an option anymore. It's a requirement. It's, it's mandatory. I cannot click submit on this page and if the part that says required. Is not filled in. out. So that's what I was just bringing up in the last episode we recorded, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. When it, that's exactly 100%. what I'm talking about. How do we get to the point where it's not required, but we fill it in regardless? And I think You get what back, I'm saying? And I think it goes back to what Phil was saying before about like... Um, what you said about the reality part. You create your own reality. Yeah. What you believe is your reality. I believe it's a requirement. So it's a reality. It's my requirement. Right. You know? Yo, so, it's so, fucking so it's, crazy. It's, 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 it's literally Woo. like, I don't care if you got to gas, gas your head up, lie to yourself. If you tell yourself a lie long enough, it's the truth. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> so it's oh, like yeah. literally yeah. saying to myself, like, listen, it's not an option. It's a requirement. It's a requirement. It's a requirement. It's a requirement. That belief system literally changed the game because... Technically, and one of my mentors told me this, and I'll never forget it. He said that when his father was drinking, he felt like his dad died drinking alcohol because he was an alcoholic. He said the thing, though, was when it was his 50th birthday, they all bought him drinks. And he said the thing that we don't realize is when you brought him the drink, that drink that he drank that night didn't kill him. But the combination of all of those drinks killed him and no one was willing to stop just the one who's gonna stop the bleeding Hmm. who's gonna say no it's a requirement that at least today you ain't having nothing to drink and if you think about it from that perspective and stop giving ourselves a pass like you know like like, i give myself passes all the time i'm like come on like listen i could have this I didn't die. That's what I'm saying. Though. Like, how do you know how many passes you can have? That's kind of what we've, we've been talking about multiple mm-hmm. times throughout the two episodes we've recorded. Just like you don't until it puts you in a bad situation, and then that's yeah, that's man. usually the wake up call. And I think the the line that's drawn is either it's that life threatening or life altering, right? Because diabetes doesn't automatically say, hey, you know what, you have X amount with people live yeah. with diabetes. Yeah. It's yeah. life threatening or life altering, right. which you have Absolutely. to change. But I think for for people who could find that switch that aren't in one of those bad predicaments are the ones that, like you said, we look up to. Those are the people that could flip it and they're successful because they're able to just turn it on. It doesn't mm-hmm. take something bad which is why it leads them to this platform of success but like I get it like what is it that lets certain people turn it on 
at a time that isn't a bad right. time. It's fucking crazy. And, and I think Gio's what he just mentioned about like the drinking on the fiftieth birthday, what it leads to. It just I can't help but relate it to all the examples that were already given. And I think of the the example that uh, I was I gave earlier. I'm like, oh man, this sounds just like mine. Like you're talking about like a decision compounded over time leads to your destiny leads to your outcome like we talk about pay good attention bad, to moments yeah good or bad it doesn't it all adds up man and I think now I'm realizing it it's almost like I don't want to have a losing streak mm. ever so mm. if I got that one bad situation I can't have two in a row right and I think that's the part that we don't realize so now you go on a losing streak you like and you become a franchise where, like, all you do is lose. At some point, you got to break the streak. You'll be called the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be called the Knicks. you got to sell the and team. There goes our Madison Square Garden. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, essentially, it's, it's like you got to stop the bleeding at some point. And I yep. think sometimes we minimize that one victory. Like, I could easily minimize, right. like, like, I feel like when the Tony Robbins event, like we talked about him earlier... Like, I felt, like, so important that he talked about what is going to be the way you're going to celebrate. I think too many times we don't even realize, like, what am I going to do when I get to the finish line? You just think that I'm never going to get there, so why do I care what the celebration going to be like? But when Tony just spends, like, freaking four hours of me just figuring out what I'm going to do when I finish crossing the coals, in in the moment, I'm like... Who cares? I'm not crossing the coast. <laughs> this is dumb. Yeah, Oprah did it. That's cool for her. But I'm not walking on coast. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. And then when you look at it and he just did it for so long, I'm like, but I'm already here. I done paid like $500. I might as well, True. I might as well hit my chest a couple of times. The kid's going to be waiting make, by the bathroom. Get your money's worth. He, he was with him by the bathroom. Yeah. He was with him by the bathroom 100%. But it was just like, like celebrate. Like you want to, and I think that's what happens. We're like, yo, what does this one moment mean? It stops the streak. Right. It stops the streak. Mm. The Warriors beat the Rockets the other night and as garbage as they were, you still beat the Rockets. They look good the other night, too. They look good. I had to pick up someone in fantasy. They look good. <laughs> they look good. It's that one win that maybe the rest of the year, they're like, dang, maybe we got, like, something here. Like, right. you might not go win no championship. You're not going to no playoffs. But, like, that one game could ultimately go and straight the framework where it's like, that. the system actually does work. You know? And so I think we just should minimize... The Bible tells about this. I don't want to go and be spiritual, but... Like, no, we could be spiritual, but, but, man. Listen, I'm a man of Christ, bro. We don't want to go and despise these small beginnings. Like, I think we just think, like, ah, oh, it's just a little thing. But I'm like, yo, like, a little raindrop just coming over and over again starts, is the beginning of a flood. Mm. A snowflake is... is a, a, an avalanche, a, a blizzard, is a snowflake that just constantly kept on coming. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we think about it from that perspective, like... You should be trying to find the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, like we should be trying to find like that one moment, that one minute, that one thing. Like, if it's not that important, hold your breath for an hour, a, a day, a, a, an hour, a minute, and see how long it is. So it's like no yeah. one would do that. Probably start with a minute. I'll be yeah. shocked. <laughs> I realize quick. I just think like we just gotta, we just chase the big stuff, and obviously every, our phones is like the greatest magnifier. Right. So now you look at it like that. Oh, look, like look at my moments, because I could relive it all day long, and now we forget that we got, we could literally have the moment. We could literally create it right now instead of keep on reliving the ones that you created in the past. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. I literally <laughs> I, I texted Phil the other day. I'm like, Yo, bro, look what we were doing in Europe in 2018, bro. We were killing it. 
Yeah, yeah. But, actually, uh, Gio's the one who said it to me. Actually, he he said it to me on a comment last year's my thirtieth birthday and uh, literally one of the greatest nights of my life. And uh, I just didn't. And for Matt too, Matt, I second that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I second that. You saw Matt at the party all the next day. You would know it's one of. His, or by, side note: Whenever it's my birthday, it's secretly Matt's. Birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, because so, he doesn't have to work the room. That's why. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yo, I worked the bar though, bro. I worked the bar, bro. Worked the wine. He took out all their cab. Um, Four bottles of it. It was like three. Really. I waited like a week. Uh, it was like a week or so. I got my pictures and then like I just didn't post for whatever reason. So it was like the next month and I was like, you know what? I was like, this is a really good uh, like this, this is a super good memory. I want to post this. Yeah. And I posted ten pictures. I remember you commented on a geo I'm speaking to and he commented on and he said the only time you look at your past is something I may mess this up but the only time you look back is to realize all the beauty that's in your life like all the good times other than that never look back at your past and and like so when you said that moment about France speaking of Matt like that was a beautiful time beautiful 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 beyond words in all aspects of beautiful (laughs) and like me looking at those pictures was beautiful so like that's the only time we should ever look back because right. you know to take take in those moments yeah. multiple times because that <laughs> happiness compounds and if your past if your future's anything like your past then you're gonna have one happy fucking future right, right. Uh, but don't look back to keep uh, you know stressing yourself out and being hard on yourself over the little things that you did wrong when mm-hmm. in the grand reality you do so much right. Yeah. And I'm and I'm a principal person of that it happens to me too. We're so. all guilty. I We're just guilty. think it's human nature and it's. If everybody could have that positive mindset and, and how to be better forward, we wouldn't be going to people of that magnitude to reinforce that and to open up that channel of thinking that we feel is locked. Right. Which is just crazy when you think about it because you you could literally choose happiness, right? I, I don't know if everybody has, but in some form of another, I know growing up maybe people experience anxiety and like when you're feeling it it could it's a mindset as much as you feel like it's an earth shattering and and physically stopping crippling yeah (laughs) yeah like it's it's truly like a mindset and it's hard to think it's not right it's physical like i literally can't go out i can't breathe my mouth is dry lightheaded and, mm. and, and it's just it's crazy. crazy. It's just like, why is it so easy to think that way than it is to think about positiveness? <laughs> you know, right. Like, why why aren't we wired like that enough to mm-hmm. be on the better end of it? it it's it's mind blowing. It's crazy. Well, I think the stories that we remember and the ones that really move us and impact us are the people that have gone through adversity. And you look at all the people that have like really tough beginnings. And if you were a betting man, you'd be like, well, the future might not be so good for this person, but they persevered. And I heard something like the bigger the setback, the bigger the comeback. And it's true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, everyone has those things that, that you could lean on and you could have leaned on and be like, you know what? I'm diabetic. This is my future. This is a, the script is written, but no, you're not that type of person. And you're going to use that to, that's going to be the platform of your story or part mm-hmm. of your story. How much you know weight did you lose, bro? 
Like 35? You lost That's 35 awesome. pounds, bro. You started running. I see Damn, you in the gym man. harder than ever. That's awesome. Thousand calories a day, bro. I see the Apple Watch shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I see it, bro. I get the updates. <laughs> I slide on me. Yo, it's nah, crazy. We, we def- it, it, it's, it's work. It, it's work, but I, I think, of, again, it's like a moment in time can literally change your like, Yeah. It's just one moment. Um that literally changes the whole thing. I, and I bet we think about me needing that. That's, I'm coming to a school to speak to six kids, like six students. I don't know. There was more than six, bro. Don't, bro, don't play my bro, club like that. How do you really <laughs> feel? <laughs> Maybe the first time. No, not when you were doing it. Not when I was doing no, it. The last time the when I was time. doing it, bro, you had the president of the school there, bro. I'm not talking about when you were the president. I'm talking about the first time I came, there was definitely like about six, seven people. When Matt took away, it was a different level. It was definitely a different level. And, and I actually got paid early, which never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I, I did the job, bro. I did the but job. It, but it's literally a moment like that that literally spearheads the conversations that we're having right now. It's just like, I didn't know the guy who wasn't running the club would become the person that I'm speaking to the most. You know what I'm saying? So so I think the power of like just understanding, what if I would just look around and say, yo, where's the moment? Instead of like like where is it? It's literally somewhere. Yeah. Um, but you're not looking for it. If I tell you right now there's a red Ferrari, all of a sudden you're like, yo, dad, that's like mad red Ferraris. Mm-hmm. But you ain't never seen them before. It was always there, but now entering into your subconscious mind, now you like mm. your brain is like searching for that joint. I think right. your brain is so obedient if you just give it directions, it follows. True. But we just don't give it instructions. The moments are there. <laughs> like, right. like, like, let your brain be a slave and you tell it what to do. And I was gonna say, like, the moments are there, just are you receptive to it? Right. I mean, like, the an analogy about the red Ferrari is you waking up in the morning and breathing because if you woke up in the morning and you were choking and you were screaming out loud but nobody heard you I mean you'd want to breathe much more than a red Ferrari I gotta remind myself of that sometimes like and it's something we take for granted so it's priceless it's right there Literally. it's right there mm. it's right there for so, sure. so every single breath I took maybe I'd have uh, in the in the one minute I just spoke and I'd have 60 Ferraris which do you value more yeah right yeah Powerful. I've never seen as many Durangos as when I got a Durango. <laughs> hey man, so what you visualize, you materialize. Yeah. yeah, that's what happens. I mean, maybe they got more popular, but like, damn, like I feel like I see them everywhere. Literally, that's is how it, it goes, bro. Because you're looking for it. Right? You're looking for the it. The maroon color, I feel like just that, like both aspects of it, like the model and the color. I'm just like, damn, like I really like that like dark maroon color because I felt like there wasn't too many cars like that a lot of black mm. a lot of white a lot of silver I'm like damn how many maroon cars are on the road well listen we live in a neighborhood with a lot of moms and that's a mom color so <laughs> yeah, listen that's true, that's true. my first one was a, a 92 maroon Camry so. listen that's, that's part of it so you gotta keep that into you know take the demographic uh, into account here so but I guess it's kind of my fault it's your fault <laughs> But uh, last up here, yeah, I have a man, piece of advice yeah. that literally ties into every single one of you guys, mm. whether that's your you know, your health scare or your 2017 or you being in the right place at the right time, you being in the right place at the right time. I always feel like I read the right book at the right time. Mm. Like the book I'm reading right this minute 
Unfuck Yourself by Gary Bishop, or if it was The Energy Bus, which is the book that I'm going to refer to by John Gordon. Um, and John Gordon's been a huge part of my life. I had him on the podcast. Phenomenal conversation. He donated 20 plus books to the library I built here. Um, just honestly an amazing individual like trying to do a lot for him in return by hooking him up with certain people and um it wasn't a piece of advice that was given to me directly it was in his book but i felt like i needed it at the right time and it came to me at the right time and that piece of advice was literally an equation and i talk about it literally all the time so it's nothing new to the show but that piece of advice is e plus p equals o events plus perspective equals outcome now, when I heard this, I was like, all right, that sounds cute, right? Like, it does. It sounds fucking cute. You know, like, obviously, we all experience events, but the thing is, oftentimes, we deem the event we're going through as the, the outcome itself, right? As opposed to how we actually perceive that event being the outcome. And when I heard that, I'm just thinking, all right, like I said, it sounds cute. And I'm thinking about all the events that happened in my life, whether that was literally seeing over the course of three, four, five years, $60,000 in a bank account going down to zero, which obviously fucking sucked. Seeing my mother battle cancer, failing out of college, getting kicked out of two high schools, having surgery on my shoulder in my senior year of uh, high school, going into college, losing every college scholarship. Dude, like all of that shit sucked. And over time, I never forgave myself for any of that. I never said like, yo, this might just be your destined path or this might, you know, all of that. It came into play. And then when I heard that, or when I read that, I should say, I'm just like, yo, like you, how did you perceive those things? It's hard to perceive it in the actual moment itself. Yo, I know you're dealing with it right now. When your parent or someone close to, you're dealing with cancer. Dude, it's hard to say, this is happening for a reason, right? Bubble. Yo, it's hard to, when you're going through a health scare, when you're going through everything you went through in 2017, when you're sitting with your, you know, your advisor or whomever it was at your job talking about all of that shit, dude, it's fucking hard, bro. It's hard to flip that switch and say, okay, everything's going to be great. This is meant to happen, right? But over time, when you can adopt that mindset, when you can look at those situations and be like, my perception of this event, what is it trying to teach me? Now, luckily, I've been going through a whole bunch of different events recently, specifically right now, that have taught me different, you know, different, um, I guess, perspectives or different, um, you know, outlooks on what I'm actually going through. And knowing this right in this moment, because they're not too serious, I can adopt that mindset, right? And I think that's super fucking powerful. When you can look at that, like you were able to turn that switch on right away because it was super health related. Like Mm -hmm. you needed to turn that switch on. That's why I'm constantly asking that question. How do you turn that switch on without having to get to that point? You know, like when you lose someone, you can't get them back. Like there's just no way to get them back, bro. We're not at that point in fucking technology. You know, maybe one day, and I'm not putting it past anyone. As we said earlier in this episode, there's nothing impossible, right? It depends if you deem it impossible. If you deem it impossible, you're not going to do it, right? I think that's that's the whole thing. And, um, you know, I talked to, you know, the individual that wrote that book, John Gordon. And again, it's called The Energy Bus. I promote that book like it's my fucking own. 
You know, like that book itself is super illustrative in the fact that you feel like you are being walked through chapter to chapter. Like it's literally about a guy that is in corporate America going to his job multiple times over. His car breaks down. Next thing you know, he's on a bus. And that bus is what literally revives his life. It revives his marriage. So I don't want to give away the entire book, but it's fucking monumental in that sense. Like, yo, it's huge. It's fucking huge. And when I wrote, when I read that, E plus P equals O, it was literally a game changer. Especially because over the course of time, when you go through all that shit. Listen, I'm 27. I know you guys are around the same age as me. You're all older than me. <laughs> <laughs> You're all older than me. It's true. But, um, you know, we've all experienced shit up until this point of our lives. Even the people that are tuned into this right now. Like, every single person is going to experience some shit. Like... Listen, the world isn't fucking perfect. It's not peaches and cream. If it was, I can't even tell you what I'd be doing. I'd be fucking Nickelback Rockstar. If you ever heard that song, you already know what it is. But um, it's crazy. That was a fucking game changer, man. Absolute fucking game changer. I feel like that literally ties into every single yeah. every single person's uh, response to that question. You know? Perspectives, everything. And uh, when it does happen to you in that moment... I think that's why we all train our minds to be uh, bulletproof the way it is because in that moment, I had really, you know, I've, I've had things happen to me too, as sure as we all have, and in that moment, did I see it the way I see it now? The truth is, no, I didn't. Right. And I was a victim, or I say, you know, why me? Try, you know, instead of try me, it's why me? You know, things like, things of that nature. So now I start to learn to whereas uh, in that moment, can I take a step back, actually, an analogy actually see myself in a situation from a higher you know 30,000 30, foot elevated view and be like wow are you really acting like a bitch right now or is this how <laughs> your future self would want you to act mm-hmm. are you being kind to yourself or are you just you know going down a snowball effect of this negativity and uh, it's really interesting now because like before like when we, when we got together and you know we were joking around you said yo you acted differently it's because like in that moment I've trained my brain to see it differently and I could do it really quickly. Mm. So if I could do it with that, I could do it with any situation. Bro, you weren't you weren't trained to take heat like that like a, no, it's a, a few it's, months ago, bro. It, you you evolve. You get quick on yes, your feet. But yeah. You evolve. Like I look at it like um literally some guy is above me and he's in the air and he's just looking down at me and he's like like this situ- like you know the, you look like a bitch. Or that, that shit's fucked up. You know, like, mm. would you, if you saw yourself through the, that's the thing that really hit me. Boom, crazy. I've never seen myself being myself because my eyes are in my head and I can't see what you guys see right now. Right, right, right. And it's like, damn, if you could only see yourself in that moment. So I look at it like from that perspective. But once again, back to perspective. It's powerful, bro. Mm. It's powerful shit, man. This episode was powerful, bro. Yeah. We heard some deep fucking shit. Some personal shit. And again, this is from five dudes on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, five dudes on a Friday night. Like, I, I think it's crazy how we all had, like, radically different examples, yet they were all so similar. They all tied into, like, a, uh, like similar, like, there was a commonality there. You know what right. I mean? You could find something in there that ties into the other guy's example, which is wild. So there is something that, like... I guess how 
uh, you know, you've, the, the expression goes, uh, how you do one thing is how you how you do everything. Well, Literally. one thing affects everything. It's really just like everything is interconnected. And right. we're seeing that just based off the examples that we all gave and how we're finding commonality in our radically different examples. That goes all the way back to Derek Jeter on the last mm. episode, bro. How he did one thing is how he did everything. Yep. It's crazy. It all t- Yo, the thing is, there is absolutely no secret to success. Like, it is all out there. It's just who's not lazy enough to actually act on what's out there, you know? And, uh, all right, listen. Obviously, everyone, even here at this table, defines success differently. But we all know what we're talking about when we just say the word success very openly like that, you know? And, uh... Listen, there's there's no secret to it. No. It's out there. So it's like, yo, go get it. If you want it, go get it. Maybe that is a secret. The the, 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 the rules and the blueprint has, have all been written. You know what I mean? If, if you want to find out how to do it, like you just listen to other people's examples and learn from one another. Like, I just listened to all you guys. I took a piece of everything you guys said, and I related it to myself just naturally. I'm like, oh, shit, you know? I, I, maybe I do overreact to certain things and maybe like you know yeah. what you guys are going through I thought I had it bad at one point and I'm just like these guys dealt with adversity in this way and they persevered and just like you inspire others through your story and I think that's what the point of this podcast and this getting together today was is to share that because you know something from everyone's story resonates in a different way so I'm sure when Gio was telling his story we all heard it but you know we all it, it, interpreted it differently and took something different from that and that goes for everyone around this table and it goes for every book we read every podcast we listen to every message that's conveyed you know what I mean you take it you internalize it and you see what relates best to yourself and then you pass that message on so I thank you guys for sharing your examples because I really got a lot out of this this is huge I, you know I'm here on Friday night hanging out with uh, four other dudes and just looking to have a, you know just good, t- good time treat the shit but uh, this ended up being way deeper than I could have ever imagined so I thank you guys for opening up like that yeah. likewise man yeah. listen I could yes. be at, I could be at sugar daddy's right now but <laughs> there you go. that's job. the after party <laughs> it could very well be <laughs> No, seriously, man. I definitely appreciate it. Yo, you know what's even crazier? This time we ran 100 and... No, 100. One hour and 12 minutes. I knew it was longer, for sure. We, We Listen, it didn't feel like it. Definitely didn't feel. I looked at it, and I'm like, yo... Holy shit! I still gotta go. We're at an an hour here. I'm like, yo, we're good. We're good. Like, this, this was this was nice, and uh, it was definitely deep. It was deep, and this is exactly what people need to hear. They need to know the realities of it. And uh, I might have to change the show name to Decoding Life as opposed to Decoding Success uh, after after the last two episodes. But uh, I definitely appreciate it. So, Gio, I want to thank you, bro. I appreciate it. And thank you, bro. Phil, thank you, bro. Steve, appreciate it. Listen, all of their social links are in the show notes of this episode. If you liked what you heard, and even if you didn't like what you hear, I I need you to make sure you're leaving a rating and review, especially if you're tuned in from iTunes. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.